Hey, this is Jeff Dixon. I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm so glad you've chosen today to tune in as we look at part number six of Rewired Worship and diving into this idea of sacrifice of praise. I hope you are encouraged by it. I hope you are challenged, and I hope you find ways to encounter the incredible presence of God. As we've encountered God through this series, this idea that we have these preconceived ideas of what worship should look like based on how we grew up, the expression of worship that um, even from the uh, church that we are part of has an expression of worship. And every every church, whether it's Pentecostal, Assemblies of God, Baptist, Church of Christ, whatever, has their own preset idea or preset way of Encountering God, and I think he likes the variety in that. But the idea behind this series is that let's not get so caught in the way we've always done or the way we've seen it that we forget a new expression. Maybe we rewire our way of worshiping God. Um, this week, we're going to look at a sacrifice of praise in our aspect of worship. Let me pray real quick. Father God, I thank you for meeting us in this place. Lord, I thank you that we didn't have to invite you here, but God, you were already dwelling in our midst. Lord, you met us in a very, very sweet and special way this morning, very profound, how you met with us and our meeting with us in this place. Lord, uh, guide my words this morning, open our ears, but more importantly, our hearts to receive what you have for us in Jesus' name. Everyone in this room, the multitude say, Amen. Preaching in faith today. If you've got your Bibles, uh, a lot of what I'm going to do today is not, scripturally, is not going to be up on the screen because there was a lot of it. But go ahead and turn with me, if you can, to Hebrews chapter 13. Now, before we look at that, I want us to remind ourselves what today is. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's been 40 days since Passover, yes, since the day Jesus was taken. And the significance of Pentecost Sunday is the day of liberation and setting free. And so as we look through this today together, remind yourself that something new typically happens on Pentecost. I love that. The second chapter of Acts, there was a new expression of the Holy Spirit poured on the people. It birthed a church. It moved the disciples and anyone who would receive the Holy Spirit into a place of power and effectiveness. As Peter told the eunuch, or not Peter, Philip told the eunuch before baptizing him, he said, there's a speaker behind you, watch out. That's not what he said. But he said, do you understand what you're reading? And then he walked the eunuch through the baptism of the Holy Spirit with this idea that even with the expression of the Holy Spirit in our lives, he illuminates God's Word to us, makes it so we understand they're not just words on a page, but they're life and life-giving. So remember that and the significance of today. So Hebrews 13, 15. Jessica, I hope you don't have too many flashbacks to seeing my dad preach years ago. But Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then... Let us continually offer up 
a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips that acknowledge His name. I want to break just these few words together apart for just a minute before I actually get into the bulk of my message today. There's actually two words in here that I want to look at just briefly for a minute. And that first word is continually. Through Him, let us continually, and then the preceding words are offer up a sacrifice of praise. Is it always easy to worship? Is it always easy to praise God? No, it's not. Uh, there are circumstances that happen in our lives. There are uh, battles that we encounter. There's work. There's stresses at home. There's stresses in relationship. There's financial thoughts. There's all kinds of things. There's even sin maybe that we've encountered throughout the week that could cause us to not really want to enter into the presence of God, to make it difficult to encounter the presence of God. But as this says, continually offer up. This is a continuation, a continually an ongoing process whereby we get to enter into God's presence through a sacrifice of praise to Him that transcends our struggles, transcends our circumstances, transcends the battles that we may face. It is so much bigger than that that we get to walk in and find this continual. He wants a continual communion with us through praise. And then it says that is the fruit of some translations go ahead and throw in our lips it just says the fruit of lips and i was looking at that word this lips word because i like to break words apart that seem to be simple in the scriptures and find out god what were you really trying to say because i understand in in the hebrew that the the words that we use to translate into english from hebrew are always or oftentimes just missing they're they're thin compared to the richness of the original language and this Lips has to do with a pouring place. It's not just these things on the front of our faces that get us in trouble more often than they don't. It's thinking of a pitcher that has a lip that pours out. It is this thing that pours. We're continually pouring out the acknowledgement of His name. Sometimes that is a sacrifice, though. I think oftentimes it's a sacrifice. It could even have even been a sacrifice today, but we are pouring out. Jesus was poured out as a sacrifice. Such significance to in this place today as we pour out. So how do we look at some biblical examples, some neat ways in which we can see through Scripture there was a sacrifice of praise that led to an encounter with the living God. I've got two stories today. We're going to go back and talk about David, King David for a little bit, and a sacrifice of praise that he made that led to the purchase of the land for the building of the temple in which his son would build and house the very presence of God in a more permanent, more glorious, more grand scale. And in 2 Samuel 24, verses 18 through 25, we'll just read those together and it says in Gad, not God, because I read that at first and I thought, there's a typo in my Bible. But no, it says Gad came, to the, came that day to David and said to him, go up, say go up. He said, go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aronis and the Jebusite. And I want to stop there and I'm going to get to some points in just a minute. So don't think I've started an outline specifically just yet. But as we find ourselves in a place of continually offering sacrifice, as we find ourselves in a place of needing to go before the very presence of God, there is an action. There is a place to go. We go to a place of worship. We just can't 
wait, I love this. This has been rocking me since I, I saw this uh, through the Holy Spirit, I believe, with all my heart last night. He says, we cannot wait until we are moved to worship. We worship and then we are moved. I'm going to say that again. We cannot wait until we are moved to worship. We worship and then we are moved. If we waited to encounter the presence of God when it felt right, felt good, looked good, tasted right, smelled good, and all the lighting was in the right place, and the singers were singing in key like they brilliantly did today, at least one of them, in Jesus' name, we wait for all of those to be right, then we're going to be offering a counterfeit, a false, a less than acceptable sacrifice. But if we move to a place of worship and find ourselves encountering the living God through that worship, then He will move upon us. So here's David, and he wants to raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor. Verse 19 says, So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Aronis, that looks like a weird word, but Aronis looked down, he saw the king, his servants coming on towards him. And Aronis went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And this man said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. We can allude here, we could have read previously in Scripture that there was something going on in David's kingdom that David needed to go and submit before the Lord to petition Him to do something. And he only found it necessary to erect an an altar and offer sacrifices. This is a type of place. And I'm not talking about goats and rams and doves, those kind of sacrifices but a sacrifice that that is really greater than what's provided and goes to that place of faith. Look at this with me in verse 22. Then Rona said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes and the oxen for the wood. And if I were David in this moment and I were experiencing something like that in this place today, I would be thinking, The Lord God has provided... We've got to be careful. Was this provision? Or was this something that was offered to cause the sacrifice to be ineffective? We've got to look at the surrounding circumstances and not walk through every door that appears to be open before us. We've got to look around us and say, just because windfall is offered to me, it may not be the right Opportunity. It may not be the right thing to step in. Just because everything seems to be flowing in front of us doesn't mean that that's the stream that we should be stepping into. For David responds very clearly to this this king, and he after he said, or this man, this servant, after this servant in verse twenty three says, "May the Lord your God accept you." But the king he goes on in twenty four. David says, "No, no." But I will buy it from you for a price. It will not, I will not offer, listen very clearly, I will not offer any kind of bird offering to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. And I think we do find ourselves in worship finding that easy expression, that easy encounter, that moment in which it's just all is right. So the presence of God is there before me and He is gracious and merciful and He meets us even in our false Attempts to worship Him. 
But I want to contend upon you today that there has to be a moment in our encounters and in our maturity and in our walk to pursue a greater encounter with God that we've got to look before Him and say, I will come to you, God, but it cannot cost me nothing. I know there was a double negative in that. But something has got to cost me to express myself in the presence of God. Maybe people should look at me in a strange way or maybe they should doubt the encounters that I'm having or maybe they should look at the circumstances that are around us and say, God must not be in that place. But I'm going to say this morning, God, here I am saying, whatever I've offered you that has cost me nothing today, Lord, I'm going to offer you something that costs me everything. You see, a sacrifice was what Jesus was that made it possible for us to now enter into his presence. And he says, now you should offer yourself. Did I just lose my mic? You should offer yourself as a living sacrifice there has to be something that costs me in a great deal in a magnificent way to a magnitude that's beyond my ability to provide that goes into a realm of faith that says i may be weak i may be nothing but god i come to you and you become my all my all sufficiency my guide my support my everything and in putting aside all that i am i step into all that he is and oftentimes that has to be a sacrifice because i know from experience that we can come into this place We can go into our houses of worship and into our places of encounter and have such great, great, great places of of encounter with the presence of God and and confess our sins and and deal with everything and say, God, tomorrow I'm going to live different than the last week. And then tomorrow comes and we step right back in. Knowing full well that this encounter we've had with God in this place was one of the greatest things that we've ever had during the week. And we want more of it in voice, in deed, in action today. But tomorrow, he's saying, there must be some form of a sacrifice. You must say no to certain things. You must say no to your flesh. You may even have to say no to extra sleep or whatever and just come before him offering a sacrifice So David bought that threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels. We read in another account of this that he goes on to buy the entire hill. 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 You sound like a hick. Hill. 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 (laughs) The entire hill. And that's the place in which the temple would later be built. And so he's bought this and says in verse 25, David built an altar. I think sometimes we need to build altars, places of remembrance. We talk about past moves. We talk about revivals, and those are remembrances. But he's asking you today to build new altars and new memories and new encounters with the living God. The thing about an altar is it's not just a place of remembrance. Wow, that was a word. It's a place of sacrifice. So if we're going to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, giving a sacrifice of praise, then there must be a place in which we lay ourselves upon called an altar, whereby in that all that we are is taken away and all that he is is poured into us. Hmm. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land. And the plague was averted from Israel. I love 
God responds when we move in sacrifice. So that's one awesome, great account. But the one I really want to focus on this morning, very common, often used when it comes to sacrifice and worship, is the story when Abraham is asked to offer his son Isaac. Let's just read, if I can, probably we'll get stuck on something and have to stop. I'm going to try to read through this story and then give you some observations that I have, uh, that I saw in this through reading it myself. And in Genesis 22, verses 1 through 18, it says in verse 1, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and I love this. Abraham says, Here I am. Immediate response. We'll come to that. Oh, just read. Just read, Dixon. He said, Take your son, your only, emphasis, only son, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. You see, God wouldn't ask of us anything that He's not already or willing to do within Himself. Does that mean He simplifies Himself down to just like us? No, it means He allows us to be lifted up and be, dare I say, as gods. That sounds very wrong. I don't mean ruling our own planet or anything taking on the form, the nature of God. It's a transforming place. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering to one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I wasn't going to do this, but I have to. because Something just popped into my mind. You see, just a moment ago, just a moment ago, we read that David was going to offer something to the Lord and it could cost him nothing or it was originally going to cost him nothing and we focused for just a moment and it said just because the door is wide open doesn't mean it's God but here the promised son to Abraham the one that he waited for the one that seemed to be the very answer to the prophecy in which God had spoken to him years and years before the living proof of the miracles of God, the moving of God. Now God is saying, offer him. And again, if I were in that situation, I'd be thinking, that's not God. That must be Satan. For why on earth would God ask me, or why on earth would God remove the very blessing in which he promised me years before? Just because circumstances suck around us, just because we may be fighting battles with jobs or with income or whatever it is, relationships, as I kind of alluded to earlier, just because those things are going on in our lives does not mean that God has removed Himself from us. It does not mean that He has turned His back on us. It does not mean that He does not, he does not mean that His love for us has been stopped. We've got to be very careful when it comes to following the easy path, the easy way, and recognize that the hardest thing sometimes we will ever do in our life has God's blessing all over it. We're going to read on that in just a minute. So verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. I would have been like, Isaac, where? Okay, here you find. I can't find him, God. Okay, maybe tomorrow because Isaac's gone off. No, he grabbed him up. They, they went. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering. Wow. Can you see the faith? Can you imagine the turmoil that he must have been going through to swing that axe and cut the wood that he would expect to lay his very own son upon as a living sacrifice as well? And on the third day, 
Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the boy, I and the boy, will go over there and worship and come back to you. Some significance in that we'll look at in just a minute. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on. Son, you're going to have to carry this up. It's going to carry you in a moment, but for now, you're going to carry it. And he took it, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went, both of them, together. In verse 7, Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Can you imagine trying to answer your son what's getting ready to happen there? And Abraham said, very simply, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when they had come to the place in which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. God, Abraham, what are you thinking? You sure this is God? And Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. You realize that a man that would be willing to take his son and offer him as a sacrifice must walk in a connection with God in which he hears his voice. What happens if Abraham doesn't hear this voice in this moment when the angel of the Lord reaches out to him in voice and says, stop. He says in verse 12, don't lay your hands on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. We must know the voice of God, for it was the voice of God that called Abraham to take his son. And it was the obedience of Abraham to recognize the voice of God and do that. But it was the faith of Abraham to realize that just because, God, you promised me something and here's the walking miracle doesn't mean in the end your miracles and your provision and your promise do not prevail. It's a lot of P words. there. That was cool. And Abraham lifted his eyes. I can imagine with tears running down them. And he looked and behold, Behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide, Jehovah Jireh. It's a name of God. It is a descriptive name of God. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, Behold, my, or by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand on the seashores. And your offspring shall possess, possess the gate of his enemies. And your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. What a cool ending to that story with another great promise. And I want to look at seven observations from this sacrificial praise. Seven observations. The first one comes with verse one. When God calls out, he says, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. First and foremost, we have got to immediately, we have got to answer his call. When God speaks, what do we say? Here I am. When God directs, we go. So the first thing, the first observation with, with Abraham here is he answered his call. God says, Abraham, and he says, here I am. 
I've got children in this room, and I think there are times they hear me call their names, but act like they don't. Glad that Abraham didn't do that. My second observation, advance immediately. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood from the burnt offering and arose and went to the place in which God had told him this. Advance immediately. Okay, God, I've heard you talk. Now let me pray and fast. Let me go before eight or nine different witnesses. Let me wait on another word from God. At some point, we've got to know that we hear the voice of God and we've got to be able to trust our ability to hear the word of God and respond and advance immediately with the direction in which he gives us. For oftentimes, if not most of the time, when God is speaking to him, there is some form of a directive tied to a promise on the other side. Look at the disciples after Jesus had fed the multitudes and the crowd. He says to them, get on the boat and cross to the other side. In the middle of the night, up comes a storm. I here tried to declare to you in my feeble attempts as a human being to say that Abraham in this moment is about to encounter a storm. But I'm going to tell you the promise from God is often in His direction, in His command. For the disciples found themselves in the middle of night, in the night being tossed to and fro in the, in the middle of the waters, fearing for their lives. But Jesus, in His goodness, gave the provision as a guarantee when He commanded Maybe He's calling us to do something that's greater than ourselves. Maybe He's calling us to step out of the boat, maybe, so to speak. Maybe He's calling us to do something that doesn't make sense. I'm going to tell you that when God says go, behind the go is His provision and His promise. But that doesn't mean behind the go everything's going to be great. Because in Abraham's mind, in the disciples' situation when they're in the middle of the water, things are not looking so hot for the provision and the promise of God. But one thing that they did have is they had a command. And behind that command not only was a provision, but was a promise. When Jesus said, go to the other side, the promise was you're going to get to the other side. When Jesus said to Abraham, go, and Abraham said yes, Abraham could hold firmly because he knew the voice of his God and he knew the character of his God that he could stand firmly in knowing that I may have to offer up your promise, but God, in the end, your promises do not die away. For all of God's promises, the Word of God says, are yes and amen. Third observation. Admit the unseen. This is faith. This is faith right here. And Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkeys, and the boy and I will go over there and worship. And look at that last few words, five. And come again to you. But yet we'll read later that even though Abraham fully expected to bring his son back with him, he bound his son. He laid his son upon the altar, and he had the knife in his hand, and he was going for the jugular, so to speak, or whatever. I don't know how you sacrifice a human. I don't know where you start. At some point, I, I think he just knew that he was willing. Even if he had to offer his son... He knew that if God could provide a son into a barren womb, he could bring me the miracle and raise my son after I've offered him and we'll come back together. My fourth observation. 
We've got to affirm with faith. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And I'm here to tell you that God did offer a lamb. He offered a final lamb. He offered a final sacrifice. And His name was Jesus Christ. And He became the last and forever, the final and the good. The one that would would shed His blood so that upon us you would no longer see, or God would no longer see our transgressions, but upon us He would see the righteousness of His Son. Fifth observation. We've got to act in obedience. When they came to the place, verses 9 and 10, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order, and here it is, I just can't imagine doing this, and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Can you imagine the counseling that this boy's going to need when he gets back down the mountain? Then Abraham reaches out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. My sixth observation that we see it coming, and it's this. There's another sacrifice. You see, we, the law of Moses required the shedding of blood. The law of God still required or requires the shedding of blood. The law of Moses that shed blood had an ending. The law of God, the shed blood, is eternal. Isaac may have had to been sacrificed potentially. Goats and rams and doves and all of those needed to happen before Jesus. But even as promised here, there will be another for a replacement sacrifice. Verses 12-13, he said, this is the angel of the Lord. He said, do not lay your hands on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram. Oh, what an awesome type and shadow of who Jesus is. What an awesome picture that we have here. The foretelling, the, the beginning of, of the very uh, move of God. This is his personality. This is what he is all about this is how he moves and it's this let me move let me be the sacrifice let me do the work and you step into it and abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son in verse 14 so abraham called the name of that place jehovah jireh man he knew his god and it said to this day on the mount of the lord it shall be provided. My last observation, and this is the cool part, we have an assured blessing. There's an assurance of blessing. You see, when we, like I opened with that thought that we aren't moved to worship. How did I say that exactly? I've got it written down, thank God. We can't wait until we are moved to worship. We worship, and then we are moved. And you see that being moved is a place of blessing. You see, if we've got sickness in our lives, we can't seek the healing over our, sick, uh, over, the, over our bodies. We've got to seek the healer, and then he will heal us. If we need God's provision in our lives, we can't seek his providing hand. However, he is a provider. If we seek him, the provision is natural. If we need deliverance, if we need whatever, we can't seek 
what we're looking for in our bodies. We have to seek Him, and, uh, and in that, He will move. And verse 17, it goes on, this is God's promise, and I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, as the sands that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of His enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you obeyed my voice. You see, it all boils down to that very last phrase. Because you have obeyed my voice. It's a cool observation. It's from a really cool story. But I think every one of us can find ourselves in this place at times having walked through the easy path and felt like it was good and I'm sure it was fine. But if we're going to truly offer a sacrifice of praise, it's going to have to cost us something. You see, to say yes to Jesus costs us everything. To say yes to Jesus could cost us relationships. Could cost us bonuses. Could cost us many, many things. But at that cost, we gain something that has no value. It is beyond that is priceless. I was reading this week that somebody that they said yes they lost their parents and their siblings they were no longer known they were totally excommunicated from the life that they once knew And however that's probably not going to happen to any one of us in here if you have a strong enough revelation of God you hear his voice strong enough in your life, that if he were to call you to do something as audacious or crazy or whatever as this, that you would know as his voice and you would follow in that plan. I don't know how to do a altar call or a place of, you know, what do I do from here, except that maybe we need to find an encounter with God. Maybe we need to seek him in a greater depth. Maybe we need to find that expression of who he is so that in that we can willingly and easily obey His voice. You see, the Bible says that His sheep, that is us, potentially know His voice. Do you know His voice? Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that I'd be as obedient as Abraham. However, I don't know that I would be. Just being real. But I pray that I would be. Lord, I pray that I would know you so well and know your heart so well that even if you asked me to give up every last thing I have, I would know, God, that in the end, the latter would be better than the former. Your word said in regards to Job that his latter days, after he had lost everything, after he had lost his health and his family and his wealth, He had lost everything, and God, you restored to him. And you said that his latter years were better than his former. Lord, I pray we would have the assurance of your goodness. 
even when what we're asked to do doesn't appear to be right in that. Lord, don't let us easily walk through the open doors, but Lord, let us clearly hear your voice and walk that direction in Jesus' name. Thank you again for being here today. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the friendships. And thank you, God, for this place. And Lord, for your call on our lives. Thank you for the mission and the ministry and the vision that you've given us here at Word of Life Miami. Lord, I pray again that through it all we would clearly hear your voice even when it's the most difficult thing. Obedience is the most difficult thing that we could do. Lord, I pray I would be that obedient. In Jesus' name. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, Should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, wlmiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.